Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Welcome to this episode in the mini-series that I'm doing, focusing on different people's experiences of the coronavirus pandemic. How are we all doing? It's such a funny time, isn't it? Um, Something that keeps moving me to tears during all of this is hearing about the work that people are doing on the front line, which is a phrase that we're all so used to now, isn't it? And it really does make us feel a bit like a war. Nurses, doctors, teachers, and also supermarket workers, refuse collectors, postal workers, they're all going out to work every day to help others despite the big risk to themselves. Today, I'm talking to someone who is doing exactly that. Emma Cantrell, who has already been a guest on the podcast before, I had her on a couple of years ago, and we had a really good chat about talking to your kids about privilege. So I recommend that you delve into the podcast archives and dig that out for a listen after this. Um, so Emma has set up an emergency food hub in her local area from scratch, just set up an emergency food hub. Um, and she's working with local authorities, supermarkets and volunteers to feed 1000 people in her community. I mean, just incredible. I'm just in awe of people who are doing stuff like this. And alongside that, the charity that she's founder and CEO of First Days is continuing its regular work, distributing baby, children's clothing, equipment, uniform, nappies, anything that families and young kids need. So all of that has been distributed to families living in poverty. And I wanted to chat to Emma about the work that she's doing with the Food Hub what her experience of lockdown has been with her two kids and what it's like to be going out to work every day during all of this. I mean, all of this is in like air quotes because it's like one of those things that we're just referring to all the time, isn't it? All of this. Um, So anyway, here is my chat with Emma. Emma Cantrell, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure. Lovely to talk to you. 
it's it, it, when you say lovely but is, any, is, is anything lovely at the moment because it kind of feels like we're all just in this weird alternate reality lovely has a new meaning doesn't it um it's yeah. yeah it's totally it's just totally bizarre and I've actually run out of words to describe it now because <laughs> you know yes. you know how you normally like sign off emails or start emails with certain phrases where it's like uncertain times unprecedented yeah. but actually it's just weird strange awful yeah and I've there have been some really I think there will be positives but overwhelmingly it's just awful like 2020 want my money back yes and it kind of feels like we've got this whole new set of cliches like you like you say unprecedented times uncertain times you know um things like you know in the current climate it feels like but you're right, like we're kind of clamouring around trying to find new ways of describing what we're all going through and it's just impossible. It is, because I think actually what people want to say is, as you say, just absolutely shit, just mm. horrid. But um, I think, you know, people are people are doing their best to, to make the best of things. I mean, if I see one more Instagram post of banana bread, I might <laughs> throw my phone out the window. But then I also saw on the flip side, I saw someone tweet yesterday guys stop having a go at everyone making banana bread True. we're all just clinging on to what we can to make the best of this do, we need, to make, do we need to be making people feel bad for baking and showing off their banana bread well exactly and actually if that's the best thing that's happened in their day then please post about it on the internet it's important to try and share something positive it's funny though isn't it it's that balance i mean we have this anyway in life and in motherhood but it's that balance between that desire that we have to post on social media the best thing that happened today whether Mm. it was like that the five minutes that we were holding it together and we managed to do some crafting with our kids or baking or whatever it is versus making it look like that's our reality 24 7 and making everyone else feel like they're not coping Totally. And I think that's really come into its own in terms of parenting with um, the idea of homeschooling. You know, this idea that um, A, that teaching your children in the house for six hours a day is what homeschooling is like, which I mean, I don't homeschool my children, but I'm pretty sure that's not what normal homeschooling is like. And secondly, like anyone posting anything where their children have made these beautiful things or um have you know sat down and done worksheets and stuff I feel like there should be like a disclaimer of the rest of the time what were they doing because mine were definitely on the iPad definitely Mm. not doing educational things yeah yeah we we started off a few weeks ago with a real kind of like limited screen time Mm. you know being really active and a really good schedule and now we've totally (laughs) fallen off the wagon and my nine-year-old is just glued to a screen yeah mine are um mine are either on screens or literally like nearly killing each other on the trampoline so what do you do (laughs) what do you do so um work aside what has life been like for you as a mum since this pandemic hit our shores it's it's been like my children have gone through a lot of emotions and we went out for a walk about uh, a week and a half ago and I kind of thought right I'll do like an emotional check-in with them and said right you know have you got any questions anything you're worried about and my daughter Joni she was pretty much just like no I'm fine and then I said to my son who's seven have you got any questions he's and he just said yep thousands so I was like (laughs) okay what are they and it was like what is coronavirus what does lockdown mean who is going to die and it just went on and on I was like wow okay so 
there's been a lot of just trying to work out how to explain things to a seven-year-old who was very inquisitive um, without uh, scaring him. Um, But, you know, it's been... It's been really difficult. And actually, for me, um, I had a really awful experience in the first um, week where um, my children's dad and I are divorced and they were with him and um, he started um, showing signs of coronavirus. So they had to lock down with him for um, two weeks. So I was feeling so anxious and actually I realised that my children bring me so much security. And, you know, when when you're feeling scared you want the people you love close to you, everyone under one roof. And I couldn't have that because they were with him when he started showing these signs. He's fine. He had a very, we think he did have have it, but he had a very mild case and the children were fine and we followed all the rules. But actually being a mum via FaceTime for two weeks to two quite anxious children was really, really tough. Um, thankfully they're back now and um, things are back to our kind of normal routine with their dad but um, that was that was really hard and then obviously as you um, alluded to I've been working insane hours to um, alongside it so it's been a it's been it's been just really difficult as I'm sure it has been for everyone for different reasons yeah I mean that's the thing isn't it we cannot possibly compare no our experience of this to other people but that's kind of partly why I wanted to do this special mini series because just shining a light on different people's experiences I think is quite helpful because you know mm. we it, it, it can be very easy for us to kind of become quite insular with this and to be focusing so much on what we are experiencing and the struggles that we are facing and I think that being aware of what other people are experiencing mm. can help in this situation a little bit absolutely and actually I've been really in awe of people who have had to just stay at home. So um, I've actually been going out to work every day and um, I've had, I think, half a day off in the last um, three or four weeks. And on that half a day where I decided I wasn't going to do any work and I was just going to, well, I thought I was going to kind of sit in the garden and read a book and, um, you know, maybe do some things around the house. I had time to think and Mm. my emotions were all over the place. And you know what? People who don't have a job like mine to occupy their brain 24-7, I think the mental resilience to just be in your home, you know, limited going out, limited social contact, I'm and being with children 24-7, because let's be frank, (laughs) you know, after the kind of toddler and baby years, you're done with that. And you get to outsource it to school, which is very pleasant and childcare and things. But, you know, it's it's such a huge thing. So I'm I'm totally in awe of people who are not actually just cracking up in an extreme way. I think everyone's cracking up a little bit, but not, you know, I just think it's incredible how resilient people are having to be. I agree. So tell us about exactly what you do the charity that you run and how all of this has affected your work so I run um an ordinarily normally in <laughs> in normal times I run um first days charity we help families living in poverty we reduce the effects of long-term poverty on children by providing them with everything they need a lot of that is school uniforms and things um but it's clothes baby stuff equipment um and 
we are still we're still operating we're still doing that we're getting we we've had hundreds and hundreds of requests for nappies and toiletries and things because you know people's income has been so severely affected by this you only have to look at the number of applications for universal credit um over the last few weeks to see that people are desperately desperately struggling for money um, and that stuff's in quite short supply like we, yeah. we've got like a whatsapp group on our yeah. streets to help you know that was set up a few weeks ago to help everyone out and there was one mum a couple of weeks ago who was i think she's got twins and mm. she was really struggling to get hold of stage one formula yeah and there was a real shortage of it a couple of weeks ago which is really worrying if you're mm. relying on that to feed your babies absolutely there definitely has been and um especially if your baby's um formula has been a big problem actually especially if your baby has prescription formula that's mm. been a nightmare to get hold of and we've been working really closely with health visitors and feeding teams and pharmacies to try and get hold of um you know absolute basics like the milk that your baby needs to live um so yeah we've been working really hard with that but we've also um because of this crisis we have been working with our nearest local authority to run a food distribution hub where we're feeding a thousand people um at the moment and that's going up every day um so we just kind of um i think in the business world um you would call it pivoting your uh products (laughs) so we have pivoted to move to um providing food as well so kind of like a food bank but um for anyone who is um, vulnerable or isolating in our community so we've kind of um i've been working on establishing this service from um nothing to feeding um over a thousand people every week in about three weeks so it's been um full-on Wow. How does that actually, what does that look like? Are you delivering this food? Are people coming to collect it from you? Yeah, so we have a big warehouse. We're creating food parcels and then we've got volunteers. Um, We put a call out, uh, all the charities in the local area put a call out for volunteers about um, four weeks ago and we had thousands of people um, volunteer. So we've got a really good supply of people who want to help. So people are then coming, um, picking up food parcels and delivering them um to people who need them and um i mean we had we had t-shirts printed um for volunteers to wear so they could be kind of recognized on doorsteps and i wish i'd got them saying keep two meters away because honestly the hardest thing about delivering a service in this time is the social distancing i'm constantly just backing away from people and i don't know how that's ever going to change when we go back to whatever normal looks like i feel like i'm never going to want to stand near anyone ever again yeah that's it's... so true <laughs> yeah. like like i'm I, I watch tv programs now and see people like hugging and I'm yes like, you flinch that's so weird you're not allowed stop (laughs) so um, where is this food coming from is it donations is it from supermarkets yeah so it's a real mixture we have got funding um so we're buying um some wholesale food in bulk and then we're getting donations from the local community um and some of the local supermarkets have been absolutely incredible as well so it's a real mixture of um of things wow and what does an average day look like for you um so i get up at so it depends if the kids are here or if they're with their dad but generally um i am up i'm starting work at about half six seven and then because i have a daily conference call at nine o'clock with some kind of people from across public health and um local authorities and the army and that kind of thing so you have to kind of be ready for that and then it's um just 
making it's making sure that food parcels are going out to the right people we are calling um every person who in our area who the government has told us is shielded or vulnerable um in that really vulnerable group checking that they've got food checking they're okay um checking what their dietary requirements are and um trying to make sure we can help them and then it's making sure that the people are going and getting buying the food that's needed we're getting deliveries it's just you know it's just manic and then at the end of the day come home and try not to immediately open a bottle of wine oh my goodness i'm just (laughs) listening to you describe that it just sounds like such a huge task like you know when you think about the fact that people have got food allergies and like you say dietary requirements and perhaps they're you know that they, they can't eat certain things well, and you've got to take all that yeah. into consideration and there's actually so much because um obviously in every single area there have been absolutely fantastic community responses so neighbors are helping each other people have friends and family so who we're supporting are the people who don't have neighbors who they trust they don't have friends or family who can help them you know lots of older people all of their friends are also older and have Mm. to stay in as well so where if they were poorly before this someone one of their friends would have been able to help them they now can't so Mm. these people are often you know they might not have family to help them they're really vulnerable and so many people I've spoken to have you know have got such complex health problems that they have such a limited and restricted diet that actually they you know they do really need very specific things um to eat so it's not it's not like a normal food bank where you can give people beans and pasta and you know they can make do it's it's actually it's really complex and yeah so there's there's a lot to consider yeah planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And how do you feel about being out in the field, so to speak, when we're all being instructed yeah. to stay at home? It's I, I did kind of have to um, make a decision that I would be you know putting myself at more risk than if I were staying at home and as a knock-on effect would be putting my family at more risk and I think had there been any evidence from around the world that children um were getting seriously ill or dying from this I wouldn't have um there would have been no question that I I would have stayed at home and not been able to go out to work um but I think because the risk to children is um appears to be relatively low and because I am young-ish and um, kind of fit and healthy with no underlying health conditions I kind of feel like if not me then who you know mm. I I am I am low risk um, and whilst I am putting myself in the line of and I I kind of am expecting every morning to wake up with a cough 
um, or a temperature or, or whatever. Um, thankfully, I haven't so far. Um, but, you know, I just feel like everyone's playing a part and, you know, nurses are going into hospitals and, and the, you know, they're the ones who are really on the front line and carers and care homes and things. So I feel like this is my part to play and it, it does, it, there is a risk, but it's not as high as it could be. And what kind of precautions are you taking? Um, well, my friend has made me a mask. So I've got a very attractive um, mask, which my friend made out of some very pretty um, fabric. So it's obviously not um, up to NHS standards, but it's good enough. So I wear that and gloves. Um, I have a box of gloves in my car, which I use um, and dispose of in the kind of... well. My mum's a midwife in the NHS, so she's given me very strict instructions on how to put gloves on and take them off and dispose of them. So I probably look ridiculous in how I'm doing that, but that's what I'm doing. So when I'm in the supermarket and things, um, that's how I'm behaving. But um, really, it's about, you know, it's so it's about the basics of washing hands and um, keeping two metres away from people and uh, just following the government guidelines, really. And have you got any kind of backup plans? If you if you were to come down with coronavirus, mm. who would do the work that you're doing? Yeah, right now? so we've we've um we've basically put three three people in reserve on all the key roles in the food hubs. So we've got huge amounts of personnel. Some people just sitting sitting at home waiting for the for the next person in the queue to um not be able to go into work. But yeah, we've got backup, and you know I've got an amazing team um at first days who are all fully capable of um taking over should I need them to um and what do you think the long-term effects of this is going to be I mean I keep seeing people saying when this is all over but I kind of feel like we're going to be feeling and seeing the effects of this for a long time aren't we I think it's I I agree completely and actually I think with my emotions and probably tiredness and things I am swinging between hope that we will see some positive change you know some real respect for our frontline workers and perhaps even the government showing showing some respect in uh by by properly funding things and then the other side of that is me thinking that well you know once the country kind of comes back to life again all the same um party allegiances and selfishness and everything that was here before will rear its head again I don't know I think absolutely fundamentally culture and society will be altered by this I mean it has to be and I I, my my hope you know my, my deep deep down hope is that people will just perhaps have a little bit more compassion and empathy than they than they did before um but I think you know there's a serious economic effect um and I am so worried about the families that I knew were struggling that, you know, my charity was supporting um, before this crisis. Their situation isn't going to have improved and their numbers are going to be added to by, you know, lots and lots of other families who I think sadly won't benefit from um the support that the government have currently offered. And I think there will be, you know, more entrenched um, poverty and a lot more need in society and I just hope that I hope that as a society because we've got more compassion and empathy we can step up and you know meaningfully help those people but undoubtedly altered I think is the uh is the word I'm I, that keeps going around my head at the moment um, and what can people do people who are listening someone who's mm-hmm. listening what, what can they do because at the moment so many people's um financial situation is yeah. you know shaky 
you know, whether people are being um, furloughed or uh, it, perhaps are self-employed and they're losing clients, like there's, mm. or perhaps they just can't work, you know, um, full stop because mm. their business has been has been stopped. Um, but equally, people want to help, and people want people are aware that there are always people who are yeah. less well off than they are. So, what can someone do to to help? Well, I think obviously um, people need to um, look at their own situations and work out what they can can and can't do. And, you know, as you say, there's people in situations that they never thought they would find themselves in financially. Um, you know, this is so unexpected. But if people can afford um, to donate to charity, for example, I would look, you know, primarily at smaller organisations um, who are you know, doing meaningful work now, but who also will have meaningful work to do in the future. You know, we've seen a massive increase in um, reports of domestic violence over this time. Um, calls to mental health helplines have gone up. You know, there's and actually a lot of the organisations that help people in those situations are small and they're in your local town, they're in your local um, community. So I would, you know, look to helping some of those. Um I mean, for organisations like mine, we think we're going to see a massive um, increase in demand once schools go back, once um, social workers start going back into family homes, um, that kind of thing. And um, we're going to need stuff. So if people are having a clear out, then um, have a really decent clear out and put a few boxes to one side to donate to um, my charity or charities like mine um, would be would be hugely hugely useful but you know i think just looking for need and uh, the the absolute basics at this right you know moment are, is carrying on checking in with neighbors and carrying on you know supporting what's going on very very locally you know you saying about people doing a clear out yeah. and donating items that's such an easy thing for people to be yeah. doing because you know lots of people are talking about how they're trying to keep busy and yeah. on one hand, we've never been busier because we're trying to juggle so much yeah. and we're wrestling with all of these emotions. But also keeping busy can help. And so I do, I'm seeing a lot of people doing a bit of DIY yeah. or tidying and sorting and clearing out cupboards. So actually, if you've got a bunch of baby stuff and, or, or toddler stuff and it's all kind of stashed away, it's a, that's a really useful thing to be doing. Not only are you keeping yourself busy and doing something useful for yourself, but you're potentially then helping all these people after this kind of calms down a little bit, aren't you? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, without a doubt, you know, going through things, putting things to one side, which would be useful for other families. And I think as well, you know, um, as schools um, go back, per perhaps in September, um, no one's school shoes are going to fit. No one's uniforms mm, are going to fit. And actually, I mean, I've got friends who had bought new school shoes, you know, three days before the lockdown was announced. And um, those shoes just aren't going to fit in six months uh, time. So actually, I think it would be, you know, it's, it's really good to be mindful of that. And there will be organisations in every community that will be helping um you know people who are going back to school who just can't afford the shoes and and the new uniform and you will definitely have those sitting in your cupboards um looking for a home so yeah anything that you come across just um resist throwing it out and put it to one side in a box in the garage or the loft and um get ready to donate it when when we're allowed to make those less essential journeys again
Yeah. Um, if you could jump into a time machine, wouldn't mm. that be nice? And yeah. go back and change something to help people, you know, who are in need right now, what would it be? Gosh. So a time machine back to just before this crisis or, you know, the 2000s. Whenever you like, Emma, it's a time machine. <laughs> you, 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 can, you can punch any date into that time oh machine. Oh, my gosh. Can I also have magic powers to, like, change general election results? <laughs> I would like to go to 2010. Um, <laughs> no. Um, uh, yeah, I think... I think, wouldn't it be, hindsight's brilliant, isn't it? Wouldn't mm. it be great to go back and be able to reassure people that um, they're not going to run out of toilet roll and they're not yes. going to run out of tinned goods? Oh. And But actually, do you know what? I think, um, I think the government, if they had a time machine, would have gone back and would be making this lockdown happen sooner. And, do you think they would, though? Well... Because I remember watching those like early press conferences yeah. where they were like, we're not closing the schools yet. We're going to mm. see what happens. And my gut feeling was, I'm not sure you're doing the right thing here. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't know. I think I would... I am eternally optimistic, which I'm often <laughs> criticised for. I would like to think that given the current information they have, they may have made different choices to save some people's lives. Um, but yeah. yeah. See what was happening in Italy. Sorry, Gosh, we're, we're kind of veering you, off here. I'm with you, totally. But do you know what? If, if we'd have known that this was going to happen, I would have got um, summer clothes and enough um, nappies and wipes and toiletries and things to every family I possibly could because I know that there are people now who are, um, I mean, we've helped families in the last couple of weeks where they're chopping the feet off baby grows because the baby's got too big and they can't, um, you know, they, they either can't get out to get any more or they don't have any money or, you know, there's, there's none available. So yeah. I think, you know, being better prepared is, I think, probably the boring thing that everyone would do. Um, yeah. In hindsight, do you know what else I would have done? I would have um, got my roots done. <laughs> because it is, I mean, if you look on my social media, there'll be no pictures from my forehead upwards for the foreseeable future. <laughs> it's roots and fringes that yeah. people are really struggling with, there, isn't it? Definitely. Um, well, on that note, what seemingly silly little things are you doing at the moment to kind of keep your sanity? I think, you know, it's 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 fine for us to admit that we're relying on small seemingly meaningless things to keep us going yeah I've I mean I my brothers will kill me but talking to them on the phone it's not meaningless but um I've you know I've been talking to my family on the phone a bit more and on um what's it called I keep calling it face party house party um <laughs> face party age. was a thing wasn't it I don't know <laughs> I feel like face party was a thing back in like 2005 was it because <laughs> technology has completely um I've been I felt so old in the last few weeks because I've been trying to get my head around all this new technology and I just feel um so old but um yeah I mean I have been trying to keep a routine um and I've been, you know, I've been also trying to um, spend more time talking to my children, um, you know, going for this daily walk with them and um, talking to them without my phone in my hand and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I think I've, I mean, I've I've been making sure I'm putting makeup on every day and things, which um, is ultimately meaningless. But it's just that kind of deline delineation between... Um, kind of what a normal routine would have looked like and what it looks like now 
um, and trying to, you know, maintain that sense of normality. And I've been keeping up with having my daily baths in the evening, which I have every day normally. So yeah. it is just trying to keep a sense of general routine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, what are you most looking forward to doing when this is all over, if it is ever over? Oh, gosh, I, I can't wait to see my mum. Um, mm. I'm really, really close to my mum and I normally see her a few times a week. And that's been um, really hard. I've been sending her really helpful text messages like please don't ever die and stuff so I'm sure oh. she'll be glad for those to be <laughs> finished she, so you mentioned she's a midwife yeah. is, she st- is she still working yeah, in the hospital yeah, she's, delivering babies uh, yeah yeah so she manages the maternity part of the maternity service at the hospital she works at so she's um you know she's in the thick of it trying to make sure that babies can still be safely delivered which is you know very very difficult um so yeah she's she's amazing and she's you know um, close to retirement, which she will now kill me for just saying. But she, <laughs> you know, she doesn't have to be giving everything she's giving. She's working very long hours and doing an incredible job. So I'll be so pleased to see her again. Um, yeah, getting my hair coloured, that would be nice. And I have to say, a pint in a pub. Mm. I just can't wait for that uh, for that day. I thought I would miss lattes, but I actually miss pubs a lot more. It's interesting, isn't it? The things that we thought we would miss versus yeah. what we're actually missing. The yeah. concept of going into a pub mm. and and you know picking up a glass that somebody else has Ooh, poured yeah. a drink into and standing and, right next to people, yeah, <laughs> and like breathing near them. I mean, that's yeah. just weird. <laughs> I think it will take. I think it will take us a really long time as a society to get to for, for that to feel anywhere near normal again. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's. It is bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I miss I miss lots of things. I miss my running club and my netball team. And I'm a massive extrovert. This isn't easy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, Emma, I just think you are incredible. And what you're doing is just amazing. And, um, you know, keep keep doing it as, as if you as if you need me to tell you. Oh, to keep thank doing you. It. No, everyone but... just needs to keep on keep on doing what they're doing, staying sane and doing their bit. It's yeah, everyone's doing what they can I think I hope yeah yeah <laughs> listen thank you so much for chatting thank to you. me um where can people find you online and kind of on social media if they want to kind of sort of see more about what you're doing yeah so my um instagram is emma underscore cantrell and then um first days is linked on there as well so you can see what the charity's doing and what I'm doing um, and I believe it's the same on Twitter, but I can't really remember. But Instagram <laughs> is where I mostly hang out. So yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and we can see more about what first days are doing Absolutely, now, yeah. but also kind of long term. Yeah, what your what your kind of plans are for helping yeah. people who need it. So thank you so much, Emma. Thank I shall you. let you get back to your important work. <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.